Joy Freebird. Oh my god, I will kill you. This may be unpopular. It's majestic, if that helps. Welcome to Up Yours Downstairs, the podcast that is but a lowly amateur. I'm Kelly Anakin. (laughs) And I'm Tom Schneider. We are properly married. I'm tired of being lectured about my duties to the poor. Well, maybe if you would give them more money, I could stop lecturing you. I don't want to. All they want is a quarter. (laughs) Welcome back, cousins, to Up Yours Downstairs, Mm -hmm. the podcast that you are currently listening to. (laughs) That's right. Uh, So a mild programming change. Mm -hmm. We have pushed back our coverage of Lawrence in Arabia. Lawrence of Arabia? Of Arabia, yeah. I'm so going to hate that movie. (laughs) I can feel it in my bones. It's a classic. Uh, But we've supplanted that. With Strumpet City, which is also a Peter O'Toole joint. Right. Uh, which we didn't know yeah. until we did. <laughs> right. So we're we're covering Strumpet City now. Then probably after Strumpet City, <laughs> we're getting to Lawrence of Arabia. Right. We're trying to bring in some guests for that. And it's, yeah, gotten, it's gotten really complicated, you guys. <laughs> Surprisingly also, complicated. Also, it's three hours long. Well, yeah. Like, that's a lot. It's, it's a solid. Yeah. yeah it's like, like wolf. Yeah. Like the desert. Right. Ugh, like another one? <laughs> it's uh, it's majestic, if that helps. I do not believe you. <laughs> At any rate, let's get to our Cousins of the Week. Oh, snap. Yes, I said Cousins. Oh my gosh. Of the Week. What a surprise. There's two. <laughs> Usually there can only be one. Mm-hmm. First, Cousin Krista writes, Hey kids, I found this article and thought you might be interested. Captain Blackadder really did fight in World War One. Obviously thought of you. Also, since I'm writing you anyway, Tom, did you watch the Charlie Chaplin biopic in theater class at CJ? Because that's where I saw it. Best Cousin Krista. Wow. First things first, is that where you saw it? No. I saw it on the, I believe, on the University of Dayton movie channel when I was there. Wow. So there is still a University of Dayton connection. Right. Very exciting. Uh, But yeah, having graduated from CJ without ever having gotten to see the majestic tedious chaplain biopic uh speaking of majestic and tedious <laughs> world war one uh yeah so oh, wait a minute hold on a second did you say theater class yeah we didn't have a theater class not when well I was then there. she's probably younger than you and better served by her arts program i swear to god <laughs> nobody should get anything i didn't get oh god you're ridiculous this is exactly why i'm always <laughs> lecturing you about the poor I'm glad they have a theater class now. Uh, at any rate, uh, this article's great, and we'll post it yeah. if we remember to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but apparently, Captain Blackadder really did fight in World War One, as did a Private James Baldrick. There's a Lieutenant George, which doesn't quite match up. Yeah. Uh, and there was also a Captain Darling. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I wouldn't put it past... You know, Fry and Laurie. Although they didn't write it. It's um Curtis, Ben Curtis. Yeah, and, and uh No, Richard Curtis and Ben Elton. Yes. Yeah. I was like, You're wrong. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know how to articulate that. <laughs> I wouldn't have put it past them to like have gone through the roles. Yeah. And apparently according to these people, the only one that they haven't found is a general Melchit, which uh. is probably for the best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also there's a lot fewer generals. Uh that as well. So our second cousin of the week is Cousin Holly, who writes, Dear Cousins Kelly and Tom, I'm writing this letter to express how much I've missed you guys. I took a break to try and catch up on Boar's Gorn Swords, in which I'm still super behind on. When I remembered you guys were doing a little princess cover. 
I love that movie growing up and bought it on VHS mostly because it came with a locket, which I lost anyway, though that's beside the point. I still hadn't watched that movie in eons. So after listening to you guys, I had to pull it out. Now I see half the crap you guys were talking about and how much of a spoiled brat Sarah was and how creepy the Indian dude was. He was everywhere and I was almost afraid he was a part of Sarah's imagination she boasted about so much. (laughs) The hand-to-face stuff was weird. I'm pretty sure Sarah petted about everyone's face at least once. And the magical wind. They must have had someone run around the set saying, and we have a wind machine. (laughs) If I remember right, Princess was never mentioned as much in the book as it is in the movie. Now it'll probably be 10 years before I remember that I have that movie and watch it again with the hopes my VHS player still works by then. I also wanted to ask you if you have watched South Riding. It's set in the 1930s and this lady that comes in as a new headmistress for a girls' school in in Yorkshire. It's only three episodes and they manage to kill two horses, the main love interest, and use little girls to get their way. But not in a bad way. Plus, it has Penelope Wilton, Isabel Crawley, and she still has to put her nose in everything like in Downton. Much love, Holly. Thank you, Cousin Holly. Yeah. Uh, you know, we hope your VHS player still works in 10 years. And, and South Riding sounds fun. We like Penelope Wilton. We do. We like dead horses. Well, we're glad we're not the only people in the world still holding on to a VHS player. You never know what's going to turn up on the free shelf, man. <laughs> that's right. All right. So that's Cousins of the Week. If you'd like to write us a telegram, please email us at upyoursdownstairs at gmail.com. You can also send us a carrier pigeon, a.k.a. a tweet. We're at 5MaggieSmiths. That's at 5, the number 5, Maggie Smiths. And you can also just find us on Facebook by searching Up Yours Downstairs. And with no further ado, let's get into Strumpet City. Because I'm not sure what the hell is going on. Right. Well, first of all, okay, you know, we apologize if you've had trouble finding it to watch. Because the only place we found it available is on YouTube. Right. And that's really frustrating. Because the screen resolution is really low. You have to watch it in like 10 minute increments. Mm -hmm. And we can't even find anywhere to buy it like legit. Right. Not, which, not digitally. Yeah. yeah. Which is really frustrating. And, you know, so. there's a DVD release out there somewhere apparently, but you know, we're not made of DVDs. Right. And we also were like, Hey, we need to record this today. We can't be waiting for now. Yeah. So like if you could buy the DVD, that would be good. Yeah. If you want to watch it, that's probably like the, the way estate to go. of Peter O'Toole would appreciate it. He's <laughs> dead now, right? I'm pretty sure. Cousins. Is Peter <laughs> O'Toole dead? Are you Peter O'Toole? If so, I don't think we want to hear your story because it might be something like Strumpet City. Yeah, so we apologize in advance. Right. So the the image quality, not great. Uh, the sound quality, I guess, is fine, I suppose, except they're all speaking in this Irish accent that we have struggled mightily with. I don't think we're bad at understanding dialects. Right. I mean, we've done – I mean, a lot of times we will put on the subtitles – Right. But in general, we can get the gist. But honestly, it took us like 15 minutes of watching this. And I really struggled because every time they introduced a new character, like it took like five consecutive minutes of them talking for me to be able to decipher anything that they have to say. Mm -hmm. And let's not even get into the character of Rashers yet, because (laughs) I'm still not sure about anything that he said. Right. So I hope you have some kind of thought about that. (laughs) Yeah. So if you... This may, might be a better bet for you if you are, in fact, Irish. Yeah. Maybe it would be much more natural for you. And It's based on a book. Right. And judging from what I've seen here, I think I would much prefer the book. Right. Agreed. Like, I just... You can... It, it's the kind of thing where you can tell it's a book that was, you know, intended to be 
as sprawling on the screen as it is as a novel, mm-hmm. but before like narrative convention had caught up with that concept. Right, right. Like there's no indication of the passage of time. Like the characters are introduced completely willy nilly. You have no idea what anybody's names are. Right. People crop up and then they disappear or they stick around forever. And you're like, why are we still talking about this guy? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's really making Titanic blood and steel look like a very compelling depiction <laughs> of, uh, you know, Irish, uh, politics in this era. Right. So, you know, we'll see. I mean, uh, we we're covering the first two episodes today and. You know, as of the end of the first one, we were kind of leaning towards not doing any more after this. Yeah. It got our interest a little bit more towards the end. So I think we're willing to give it another shot. Yeah, I feel like we'll probably watch the third episode. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't fulfill any of the promise of the second episode, we'll probably just, you know, cut cut and run abandon ship yeah yeah like we just you know again it's shorter than titanic blood and steel true but we've gotten enough telegrams <laughs> and listen you're all very nice but it's always <laughs> like i can't believe it's cousin uh omar i think on on twitter is like i will never forgive you <laughs> for making me watch titanic blood and steel and we don't want right. we don't want to force anyone to do something <laughs> yeah basically so all right so anyway but we're if you're still listening, <laughs> right? Let's do this with this enticing introduction. <laughs> it's really shitty, but we're gonna talk about it anyway. Well, it's not the first time. So uh, we start off in what I assume is Trumpet Farm, and we see some lady leaving her loving family, presumably moving to Trumpet City. Yeah, uh, and she arrives at her new employers. We eventually figure out her name to the Brad Shaws, uh, who give her a little employee orientation. She's there to as a house servant. Which is basically, quit trying to fuck! Right. Mr. Bradshaw is very emphatic on this point. No, uh, oh god, what does he call it? Uh, no, no followers. No, no keeping company. Yes, yeah. Uh, he's very much against that. Yeah. The, the wife is much more uh, nice. Yeah. And he's very dismissive of her niceness. Uh, she was apparently. Yeah, he gets apparently this this girl is getting paid ten pounds a year. Yeah, which is depressing. Well, it's like a training job, apparently. Well, I mean, you would have to train somewhere, and oh, sure. apparently, you know, her parish priest mm-hmm. was very complimentary of her. Uh, yeah, and I was just struck by that, you know, being Ireland, and just that that's just the role that a parish priest mm-hmm. plays in that in that situation. Much more so than a vicar, I feel. I think so, too. I could well, be wrong, not having much experience with vicars. Right. But I feel like the Anglican clergy tends to be more, and this is maybe just for my Jane Austen reading, but just more, you know, employed by the rich and yeah. see themselves that way more. Yeah. Um, but in any case, we'll see more about what priests think about things as we continue. <laughs> so Miss Trumpet or whatever her name is puts on her uniform uh, we get a chores montage, which is always fun. Doing chores, washing a clock. Where's Thomas at? Where'd he go? <laughs> uh, so she heads on down to Strumpet Beach for yeah. a stroll and a wade. <laughs> uh, and some guy like tries to talk to her, but she ignores him. But then she hurts her foot, and the guy comes and helps out. And it's like a seriously uh, cut. Yeah, I was like, does this look as horribly painful as it does in high res? <laughs> right. Like if we were watching this on a DVD, but it looks horrific yeah it looks real bad like i'm like is she gonna lose that foot uh that and her passing resemblance to sarah paulson of american horror story (laughs) have led me to christen her bloody foot (laughs) all right 
Her real name's Mary, but we're calling her Bloodyfoot. Right. Well, I was calling her Strumpet because I felt like no other Strumps were ever going to show up, but they yeah. finally do later. So. Well, yeah, but it takes so long. It, we don't understand why this is called Strumpet City. Right. Like, does it mean we're all whores? Is this a cradle rock situation? <laughs> right. Which I kind of think it is. Or not even that they're, that, you know, Ireland is Britain's whore and that sort of thing. Which is fine. I just, I don't know. Maybe somebody's going to have a really poignant monologue. And later yeah, it may well be called, you know, Strumpet City. <laughs> right. But like, that'll make me even more angry. Like, there's a thing about Ireland. Call it Strumpet. <laughs> 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 that would have been a welcome distraction honestly yeah if sylvia just showed up <laughs> yeah but I don't see why we're bothering with all these irish people <laughs> yeah but you know their feet are so bloody <laughs> you always want sylvia to show up well that's because she's my spirit guide <laughs> yeah we also learn where uh, bloody foot is from over there so very helpful in orienting and honestly Listen, I went into this. I thought there were going to be strumpets. Right. I thought, for, like, I think I got it mixed up with that subplot with Rosario Dawson in Sin City, <laughs> where it's like all of the prostitutes have, like, seceded from the city, <laughs> and they had their own town, and they ran that town. And I was, like, confused. I didn't know this was in Ireland. I was like, why Why is everybody Irish? Like, I literally thought that. <laughs> I was like... Why? Why they all gotta be Irish? I'm pretty sure I told you it was in Ireland. Uh, was I drunk? <laughs> Probably. Gonna have to say yes yeah. on that one. Yeah. How ironic. <laughs> so that that guy she met, Fitz, turns out to be his name. He says his name's Alfred. Well, is Fitz a nickname for? I fucking hate the nomenclature in this show. Right. Well, presumably then he's Alfred Fitzgerald or whatever. You know. Ugh. Yeah, I guess so. He like anyway, works at the docks or whatever. Yeah, I call him Fitzy. <laughs> You would. Yeah. So Fitzy and Bloodyfoot are walking along, and uh, <laughs> he's uh, he's describing he's a casual laborer. He's talking about that, and he wants to see her again, and she's like, oh, no, I can't. I literally just was told I could never see anyone, uh, but he's very persistent. Yeah, he says there's a sweet shop across the way, and he'll leave her notes there, and I'm like, this sounds way too complicated, dude. Like, right. She's busy. One is, it's also like, if I've learned anything from the tea shop uh, by Mr. Selfridges, like, people are going to see you. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, the Bradshaws are putting up a banner that says, God Save Our King, E7, which makes them sound more like a bingo call, but... <laughs> there's no E in bingo. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I hate to break it to you. Downstairs in the kitchen, we learned that the cook, that is the Bloodyfoot's boss, dislikes Edward VII, as all Englishmen, and uh, she is much a fan of the Fenians. Oh, indeed. Yeah. Not in the dismissive way that Lord Grantham said it. That's their word. <laughs> right. She thinks that they're great, and like if they were running things. Yeah, and, and this is all fine, but like less old people, more strumpets. <laughs> like, why are there so few strumpets? Where are the titular strumpets? <laughs> calm down. We'll get I there. I will not calm down. Well, fine. I'm just, look, this is like, <laughs> if you named a show, you know, Chicken City, <laughs> and there were no chickens for like the entire first episode, wouldn't you feel cheated? Yeah. It's like that show about New Jersey, Brick City. There were no bricks. <laughs> Quit naming things that... Uh, 
Stop naming things things that don't make sense. Right. That's what I'm saying. Well, if you're going to, like, front load it, like Cougar Town, all the cougaring was at the very beginning. Yeah. And then they went away from that. Yeah, and then they were like, oh, listen to this stupid title. Yeah. You know, and that was fine. It was self-aware. Yeah. Like, this should be called Lack of Strumpet City. (laughs) Like, how are these dudes getting their rocks off? No wonder this guy's stalking bloody foot. (laughs) And Mr. Bradshaw is also not pleased about the upcoming visit by the king. Uh, but in his case, he's concerned that the 21-gun salute or whatever will knock houses down. I really hate Mr. Bradshaw. Yeah. This well, may be unpopular. <laughs> <laughs> but this dude is a dick. Right. Because I kind of think that he's actually a slumlord because it was like maybe his No, slum- that was my impression okay. was that he owned property – Near the waterfront, which are clearly slums. Right. I mean, you know, gentrification, Edwardian style, has not kicked in yet. Not till after the war. Right. Right. Um, when you know, there's nobody around, so let's do this. Uh, yeah, but he's just a real dick. Yeah. I mean, his wife seems clueless, but he seems to actively be a dick. Right. He's he's very much the villain of the piece. Children running with flags. We see the king and queen. And cheering throngs and whatnot, and the king is dismissively waving. The king, played by Peter Ustinov, mm-hmm. who voiced King John in Robin Hood. Yeah. The definitive Robin Hood from Walt Disney. Right. Not any of this bullshit, you know, Kevin Costner ridiculousness. Right. Or whatever else it or is. Or Wishbone, or Errol Flynn, or, you know. Uh, what was it? Didn't BBC America have a Robin Hood thing with that time? Yes, they did. <laughs> Aeroflynn was all right, actually. Shut up. <laughs> Not as good? I'm tired of your Flynn apologia. <laughs> Cook closes the window on the cheers for the king. She don't want to hear it. Okay, so yeah. Then we get... Okay, yeah. Okay, listen. I'm just going to save us all some time. So, Mrs. Gilchrist is the cook. She goes into this other room where there is like a homeless dude. I don't even th- is that was that Mrs. Miss Gilchrist? I thought it was just some random other lady that we did. Oh, I thought it was Mrs. Gilchrist. Well, hard to say. Anyway, look, an old lady yeah. goes in where Rashers is. We don't even know that his name's Rashers yet, but yeah. he's clearly like an old homeless dude that's sleeping on garbage and we literally cannot understand a fucking thing this man says yeah not at all we get the gist that he's like put together some like you know lapel ribbons symbolizing the king's visit as a as a quick scam to get a couple of pence yeah anyway listen he does it's fine like let's move on yeah he's just old and he's poor and he's around far too much in this thing right great and waking the divine but and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah, yeah. But in this, you know, just on a... He's like Brad Pitt in uh, the movie Snatch, except it's not intentional. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, who is this, Ben Gunn? <laughs> right. So, yeah, he goes and he tries to make this ribbon-selling scheme work, but it doesn't work because everybody is disgusted by him. Were they at, uh, what's it called, like Chancellor's Court or something? Chandler's Court. Chandler's Court. And I was like, I think you mean Strumpet's Court? <laughs> Let's be consistent. Yeah. No, it's uh, named after Chandler from Friends. <laughs> <laughs> Not Raymond Chandler? <laughs> no, Chandler from Friends, which was very popular in Edwardian Ireland. Makes sense. He was so insouciant. <laughs> The one with the Fenians. Yeah, so uh, Fitzy meets up with Bloody Foot, and 
Rashers goes on some unintelligible rant and is arrested for talking funny. Yeah, and they were playing God Save the King for the King. I was like, I bet the King fucking hates that song. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's probably sick of it. I would imagine he's so. He's like, play Freebird! Yeah. Well, and they show, like, the Bradshaws standing up in their house because they can hear the song. It's just like, man, Kings. Yeah. So weird. So glad we don't have one. Yeah. Such a pain. Yeah, so Rashers goes to jail. Uh, well, he goes, he's t- taken to the precinct. Uh, and he apparently said lousy loyalists, which was part of what got him in trouble. But then because he says his name is Rashers, they refuse to believe that that's his name, and so they put him in jail. <laughs> Welcome to the Edwardian age, everybody, <laughs> right. where things are awesome. <laughs> uh, then we get a pleasant little strumpet picnic uh, between Fitzy and Bloodyfoot. <laughs> She feels guilty telling lies. And it's, see, again, this whole thing is never quite clear how long any part of this has been going on. Right. Uh, because he gives her a ring and is like, hey, let's get married. And she's like, yeah. And we're like, didn't you just cut your foot? Is this like the tetanus talking? <laughs> right. As best we can tell, you've spent approximately 45 minutes together. At best. Yeah. So. I mean, we've seen them together for about 90 seconds. <laughs> right. Uh, but they seem fine with this. You know, they're saying they will have to save up in order to be able to live together mm-hmm. because they're both really poor. So, yes. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, also she's not supposed to get married. That's how maids are. So right. what does she think is going to happen? Right. It's an open question. Yeah. So some old cop lets rashers go. Yeah. And the, like the, the soundtrack on this is like jaunty. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, is this funny? Right. Is this what was funny in 1980? <laughs> like, I don't understand. Possibly. Then it's time for a cello party. Oh, shit. Yeah. Um, some guy's playing a cello. It's it, this guy, the Bradshaws, and a priest who says that he'll only accept one drink. And then the cello guy, uh, whose name is Yearling, we learn, is like, oh, I hope you're not speaking ex cathedra when you say there's only one drink in an evening. Which, like, yes, but also shut up. Yeah, but then we also realize that he's p- saying it partly because he's a Protestant yeah. and making fun of Catholics in general. Yeah. <laughs> so. I think this guy's my favorite character, honestly. <laughs> and I have, a, like, an anti-Protestant bias in <laughs> right. most scenarios. Like, if my options are, do you like this Catholic or do you like this Protestant, I usually go with the Catholic. Right. Like, not when I'm voting or whatever. <laughs> right. This is, yeah. But, like, or making you know, hiring decisions. Yeah, it works yeah. a fiction. <laughs> right. I'm like, ah, you're all right, Patty. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, this guy talks a lot of sense. He does. I'm a fan, and he's got a sense of humor, Unlike everyone else in Strumpet City. Right. Oh my god, you guys. Yeah. It's insanity how self-serious these people are. Yeah. Every single one of them. It's true. They never have any fun. Well, I mean, this is the country that brought us Angela's ashes. What are you... (laughs) That's a really good point. (laughs) It is. It's like an Irish television adaptation of an Irish novel. Right. So it's like triply disappointing somehow. (laughs) Like, oh, you know how, you know, there's three leaves on a shamrock. Well, that's uh, how much despair is in this miniseries. <laughs> three leaves worth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's Three fair. leaves worth of despair. <laughs> a Tale of the Irish. <laughs> Coming soon to ITV. <laughs> that's, uh, that's not a bad idea. 
So then it's Father O'Connor's turn to perform for them. He is going to be singing Ave Maria, despite the presence of a Protestant. And it's not the Schubert one, and it's not the other one. Right. It's some, like, Franck or yeah. something like that. And they're all like, what They're the hell, like, dude? shut the fuck up, you Nazi. Yeah. Well, and they're all, like, going on about, oh, like, don't hide your light under a bushel. Like, you're so good at singing. And he's the worst at singing. I was like, do not quit your day job, father. He's uh, not great. He's not great in any respect, as we will continue to see. Right. Uh, Oh, but then fireworks go off because of the king. And, like, uh, Bloody Foot's losing her goddamn mind. (laughs) Right. And I'm like, somebody invent TV! But they've got the cello. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, Cook hopes that the fireworks land on the king's yacht and kill him. I like, I like her. Yeah. She's fun. <laughs> yeah, she is fun. Super violent. Yeah, yeah. The cellist remembers seeing fireworks at, Chris- at the Crystal Palace in like 1883 or something with a pretty girl who wouldn't marry him because he was Irish, I believe was what yeah. the gist of that was. And thus he wasn't like socially correct enough, even though he's, Anglican, even though he's, you know, Anglo-Irish, as, as they say, like, and considers himself part of England, England don't consider him part of them. Okay. Are the Bradshaws Catholic, though? I believe so. Um, that's, you know, that's the impression that yeah, I agree. was conveyed. Like, I don't think if they weren't, they wouldn't care what Bloody Foot's uh, priest had to say about her, right? Right. Well, and also when... Because when the priest apologized for Ave Maria, he apologized directly to Yearling and not to the Bradshaws. Mm-hmm. So. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think they're also, you know, very Anglo-Irish. They're not, you know, they don't have sympathy, obviously, yeah. for the unwashed masses, the rashers of the world. <laughs> so Yearling runs into Father O.C. Again, no indication of how much time has passed. Right. It is a morning. And the priest says that he can't say how he's doing spiritually because he would either be the sin of pride or despair. And, it's and like, I was like, oh, I'm about to be guilty of the sin of punching you in the nose. Yeah. Like, you suck, dude. Yeah. Like, if I had to go to this guy for spiritual advice, I would be like, oh, I'm going to, like, convert to something else. You're terrible. Like, here's here's a good Catholic priest answer. Oh, I do my humble best. See? There. Yeah. Done. The conversation can go on. You're not even Catholic anymore. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. It's not hard. But yeah, he is uh, heading off. Well, Yearling makes fun of him about various Bible things, suggesting that Jesus bribed the fishermen to follow him by mm-hmm. giving them fish. Which he totally did. <laughs> right. I mean, look, and it was successful. Yeah. Jesus is the most famous, like, dude in many places. That's true. He did very well for himself. Yeah, his personal branding was on point. <laughs> That's right, it was. It's There's a business lesson in that. Yeah. You're like, sometimes you got to give out some free fish to pay off down the line. And, you know, die young. Well. But, uh, you know, it's fine. <laughs> it's, it's great. And he's got, the pre- Father O.C. has got a new post that he has requested in a poorer parish. And he mentioned this at the dinner party that he was right, at. Right, And I love this, though, actually, because Yearling is like, oh, yeah, so are you doing this because you actually have an affinity for the poor or because you feel like you should? Yeah. And uh, Father O.C. does not answer. Yeah, he's got nothing. No. Yeah. Isn't it funny how he's Father O.C. and he's exactly as insufferable as Lord and Lady O.C. <laughs> from Manor House? Yeah. It works out. Yeah, so Fitzy brings Bloody Foot home and w- to what I thought were his parents. But... Yeah, it's actually, it's a couple that he's boarding with. Right. 
Right. Uh, and they seem pretty chill. So that's fine. We see Rasher's carrying a balloon past possibly a strumpet. We don't talk to yeah, her. Yeah, it's not just clear. A background she was character. just sitting around smoking, but, but we were like, seemed, ah, yeah. this is our first strumpet. <laughs> right. Come on, sister. Fail us out <laughs> That's here. right. Strumpet it up. Come and strump on our door. <laughs> We've been waiting for you. <laughs> yeah. So the, uh, what's the guy's name that's the head of the boarding house? Do you know? What? That, the, the, that he's just brought them home to... Jim? We'll call him Jim. I Because I never Jim. caught his name. I'm pretty sure it's Jim. I from, didn't write it down From anyway. now on, it's Jim. So Jim says that Larkin's in town. Uh, the famous Larkin from Titanic, Titanic Blood, Blood and Steel. Steel. Yes. See? It was worth it after all. <laughs> That's right. It wasn't. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so Jim can't get work anymore because the scam, scam they would run is the people that would pay them would always pay them in a pub and they would, you know, basically very heavily hint that having just gotten paid, perhaps they would like to buy their bosses a drink. Mm -hmm. And Jim one time was like, "Uh, you know what? No. And they were like, okay, uh, so you'll never work again. And he hasn't. So that's pretty rough. Yeah, his wife's pretty worried. Yeah. Well, and they're worried because they know that Bloody Foot and Fitz, Fitzy, are engaged. And so, you know, at that point, Fitzy will be leaving and no longer boarding. And so the wife is very concerned that, you know, with no border and no money coming in, uh, what? Yeah. It's a troubling question. So back at Bradshaw House, we discover that Miss Gilchrist is uh, ill. She is in bed and uh, Bloodyfoot is really trying to get her to stay in bed at you know, despite her, like, no, I've got to put in a day's work, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, she's got to, like, turn over the drawing room, and I'm like, that sounds dumb. Yeah, but it's her it's her, it's her, her life, man. Uh, however, Bloodyfoot is called away uh, to go downstairs and meet the Bradshaws because it turns out her cover has been blown. She has been claiming for some indeterminate period of time that she has an aunt in Dublin that she visits and using that excuse to go see Fitzy. Yeah, and I, again, don't understand why she said this. Right. Like, or didn't come up with a more plausible cover. Like, oh, right. you know, I have a friend in Dublin that I met, you know, blah, blah, whatever. Yeah. Or, like, but a I friend mean, in town. Like, why in Dublin? Well, if it was a friend, then they might not have let her, you know. I I assume that the aunt was, like, an elderly shut-in Yeah, in but this she's scenario. got her days off regardless, doesn't she? Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah, you know what? It's and, a fair and question. Mrs. Uh, Bradshaw? Bradshaw, yeah. She's like, you know, I never would have not let you go out. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, unless you told me, like, you were going to go, you know, canoodle with this guy. Right. But it's just like, I mean, just anyway, but Mrs. Bradshaw wrote back to her family, and her dad was like, yeah, we don't have an aunt in Dublin. Right. And it was like, um, way to be a dick, dude. Yeah. Like. Well, I mean, I'm sure that. I'm sure that he is very much on board with Mr. Bradshaw in, you know, keeping her, you know, vagina in intact. <laughs> so, you know, I'm not surprised that the father wouldn't go along with it. Yeah, but at the same time, it's like, uh, I don't know. I'm very modern. Let's just let this go. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, Mr. Bradshaw, of course, wants to fire her immediately. And Mrs. Bradshaw is like, oh, you know, that would ruin her life. And he doesn't care. And no, goes, he's like, yeah, let's ruin her life. Yeah, he thinks that's great. 
Then it turns out that uh, Miss Gilchrist has like collapsed on the floor upstairs. The priest stops by and Father O.C. and is like you know tending to her and, and seeing how she's doing, and she seems not dead, which is what I thought she was at first. Yeah. Uh, apparently, he talks to Mr. Bradshaw. Apparently, she had a minor stroke, and so her working days may be over. And she was just saying to Father O.C., she's like, oh, you know, they're great people and, and they're not going to turn me out on the street just because I can't work anymore. Yeah. And then immediately Mr. Bradshaw's like, oh, yeah, we're definitely putting her out on the street. Like, I don't know what you've heard. Right. But we're dicks. Yeah. Yeah. So Father O.C. is uh, troubled. Uh, not troubled enough to say anything. Right. Just troubled. Just vaguely. Just narcissistically troubled. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fitzy and Bloodyfoot stroll down Strumpet Lane. Fitzy says that they'll get married in a couple of weeks. This is another situation where they were making some sort of plans about their future that I just couldn't understand. And Well, basically, they were like, okay, well, Mrs. Gilchrist is, like, dead or whatever. Right. So they're going to keep Bloodyfoot on for an indeterminate period of time and then sack her. Mm-hmm. And then she'll need a place to stay. So he's like, you stay with Jim and Mrs. Jim, and then I'll get a different place, like, with a friend until we can actually, like, get married. Right, right. And, you know, they're bummed out because they're going to be poor, but I'm like, you know, welcome to Ireland. <laughs> yeah. So Fitzy comes by Jim's late at night, uh, and apparently there has been a fire at this foundry, and so they need a whole bunch of, like, workers that night to essentially help clean up and shovel and carry and whatnot. Uh, so this is a great opportunity for Jim to finally actually get a night's work. Uh, there's also some other guy at Chandler's Court who they go rustle up, and then they're like, oh, what about Hennessy, this weird guy that lives with a hundred babies upstairs apparently (laughs) this is one of the weirdest scenes because it's like he's like i don't have a shovel and then his wife is basically like and i'm like what's going on right he like doesn't want to do it and the wife is like oh my god i will kill you Yeah, Hennessy made me want to drink because of his name. <laughs> and also the also babies. His, yeah, yeah, just the, the whole babies, situation. The whole Hennessy vibe. Yeah. Was the other guy Pat? Maybe. He's the one that I ended up calling Steve because he reminded <laughs> me of Steve from Deadwood. Okay. Yeah. That's very confusing. <laughs> That's not like a cute, funny oh, no, no, name, no, no. Tom. No, Pat is a different guy. Pat is clean shaven. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So this is Steve. Yeah, this is Steve. <laughs> We're sorry. <laughs> hey, look, if I could understand any of their names, we wouldn't be in this position. <laughs> yeah, and WebM- WebMD. <laughs> IMDB has, like, no pictures of any of these people. <laughs> right. Also, the teeth. Can we just pause for a second? This is, like, Absolutely. the big book of British smiles. <laughs> it is. And it is horrifying. Yeah. Like, even when Peter O'Toole shows up. Even Peter O'Toole, this huge star, mm-hmm. has the most fucked up grill. Like, it is so upsetting sorry. anytime they show their teeth. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's, again... I'm sorry to be toothless. I don't know. <laughs> well, right. And also, I don't know how many times I have to say welcome to Ireland. Or we do, because you said it last time. Anyway. Peat fires and whatnot. <laughs> That's right. Potatoes. Whiskey. Yeah, I think that covers it. All right, great. <laughs> so, yeah, they're at the fire, and people are all running around doing fire-related activities and debating about what they're going to get paid. Uh... And then Jim is not allowed to work. He's like, oh, uh, your name is on our blacklist. We don't want troublemakers here. 
Uh, sorry, dude. Not, I'm not making trouble over one guy. Get out of here. Uh, and that's where the episode ends. The first episode. Not with a whimper, but with a... Yeah. As best I can tell, they wrote out this whole seven-part script and then just divided it into equal sevenths. And well, and I don't know. Which, I mean, we're getting this off YouTube. We have no idea. Right. Like, but, there are, but there are credits. Oh, were there credits? Yeah, like it cuts off the credits, but we get like the first Oh, okay. Little, That's fine then. Yeah, yeah. So I was just saying, I didn't remember credits. Yeah. They're only there for a moment. So you got to look fast. It really makes you appreciate how much television has improved in the last 25 years <laughs> as an art form. Yeah. Like it really has. Like even something as bad as Titanic Blood and Steel. Yeah. Like at least you knew that like... I do think they did have some trouble with the timeline. Yeah, there were some issues. Yeah, I mean, well, again, it had a variety of yeah, issues. Yeah, but I mean, But still, that was like, more about just going in weird directions with the plot. Yeah. And that, you know, it was more about the... St- they didn't... They weren't telling good stories. Yeah. You know, they sort of knew that, how to tell like them. I feel like in a lot of ways, like, the editing was better. I think that's you know? true. Yeah. Introducing yeah. characters was slightly better. Yeah. Well, you know, television should be getting we better. We knew that they weren't all named Steve, for example. <laughs> I'm pretty sure none of them are actually named Steve. Come listen to a story about a town named Steve. <laughs> there's would... a Steve and there's another Steve. That would be a very confusing town. It would be. No. Yeah. A town named Steve. <laughs> Johnny Cash's basement tapes. <laughs> <laughs> He really loved the Beverly Hillbillies, <laughs> but he didn't know what to do about it. <laughs> None of us do. So, yeah, uh, the next day they're all trying to get paid, but they're all getting ripped off. None of them are getting paid for overtime because they're not foundry employees, so they don't get the overtime rate, and they're all pretty pissed about uh, it. You should be. Anytime yeah. you're not getting paid correctly, you should be mad. That's right. And they are. So they uh, all go off to the pub with Fitzy, who is looking for the place to stay. Uh, Father O.C. sees Rasher is doing some garbage picking, as he is clearly wont to do. Uh, asks if he was looking for food. He's like, no, I was looking for A, uh, cigarette stubs, and I found plenty. And I also found this old cello string, which I have a scheme for that may have involved selling it as a cure for rheumatism like i could not figure that out nothing he says he's like the male mrs patmore <laughs> he's like <laughs> he is yeah yeah so i under i know that cello string and rheumatism were involved in his plan <laughs> but i'm not sure how they went those together. are not two uh flavors you often see together <laughs> right but old rashers he's an independent thinker we assume <laughs> <laughs> So back at the pub, they're discussing striking against the foundry, like they just did in Belfast. Wah. And uh, Steve is going to go see Larkin about it. Like, he's got a connection with him, and he's going to, like, try and make this actually happen. Uh, Rasher shows up. He found a newspaper in the garbage, which he'd like to share with them, uh, which is that the news is that Larkin has managed to fix the beer scam that they were running. They've agreed to no longer pay people in pubs. He also had a shilling from Father O.C. Right. Who was really, like, he was like, will you accept this? And I'm like, shut up, you dumb jerk. Okay. Anyway, but he, like, got a bunch of food and stuff. Right, right. So that was good. Yes. For the aptly named Rashers. <laughs> yeah. So Father O.C. comes into some other priest's room, uh, which I guess, eventually, he's the, like, sort of senior priest in this uh, parish, I guess. Yeah, and this is the new parish, right? Right, the new poor parish. Yeah. Again, 
At no point were we informed that he'd actually moved. Because he said he would be going there early next year. So has it been six months? Uh, I'm going to say maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But this other guy, I don't really ever catch this father's name, but he says that uh, that O.C. should follow Father O'Sullivan's example and that he believes that Father O.C. is a hypocrite because he, O.C., thinks that he, the other priest, is a drunkard but refuses to say anything. And Father O.C. is like, oh, no, I never. Oh, wow. Oh. Very he hypocritically. He is such a fucking ponce. Yeah. Uh, but he says that Father O.C. needs to, he's there to serve the poor and he needs to remember that. Yeah. Will he remember that? Oh, we shall see. <laughs> So Strumpet and Fitzy arrive in their new shithole. It's in Chandler's Court. You mean court. Bloody Foot. <laughs> Sorry, you're right. The Strumpet hasn't arrived yet. No, I know. I apologize. Please, please, correct that in your mind. Yeah. Bloody Foot and Fitzy uh, arrive in the new shithole they've arranged in Chandler's <laughs> Court. Uh, she seemed to be saying that she wanted Miss Gilchrist to live there with them or something, but she was just talking about Miss Gilchrist getting packed off to the workhouse. Mm-hmm. So I don't know whether that was really what she was saying or not, because she never does in this episode. Uh, but she is getting packed off to the workhouse. We see Mrs. Bradshaw gazing wistfully out the window as she is taken away. Uh, then we see Pat. And he's like getting, he's shaving, and Steve is like hassling him to go faster. And Fitzy shows up, and he's paying rent at three different places, and they have some weird argument. And I didn't get that scene at all. Why did he pay rent at? F- oh, I guess they would have to pay rent to have their shithole, right? And then he's staying somewhere, and then she's staying somewhere, because then they get into a whole thing about why don't they just shack up together? But, you know, yeah. they're, like, respectable, but, like, Pat is not. And he's got some arrangement with a woman named Lily or something like that. Yeah, and he's a socialist. Yeah. Yeah. You know how socialists are. Always living together. Yeah. We're doing it. Right, comrade? <laughs> das Vidanya. I wish I knew other Russian words. Spasibo? I think that's Russian. <laughs> Wodka? <laughs> there you go. We got that going. We really do. <laughs> We see what seems to be a funeral with Father O.C. playing the organ about as well as he sings. Uh, and Rashers is there. He's fa- the only one there. He's the only one there, yeah. So I'm like, wow, nobody liked this person. Uh, and Father O.C. has a little chat with Rashers and offers him the job of the, the deceased who was apparently like worked in like the boiler room of the rectory or whatever yeah well and rasher says that he came to the funeral because the boiler man would let him warm his hands Mm -hmm. occasionally yeah yeah Uh, and that he's getting his reward in heaven bloody foot and fitzy then walk in with the other priest and are finalizing their arrangements that they will be getting married the next tuesday uh so they head off and father is he goes and chats with other priests saying that oh he she was in my old parish blah 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 and they're getting married so quickly he thinks that she must be in trouble mm-hmm. other priests has had just about enough of father oc yeah. at this point as have we as have we and he just i mean he just basically destroys him it's yeah. pretty this is the scene where we're like oh this is a good scene we're yeah. really happy we were with like this. maybe if there's more scenes like this yeah Maybe if there's a strumpet. <laughs> right. Maybe there's hope. Maybe we're on to something here. But he just, and I'm kind of, rem- like, I was actually into the scene and I didn't write much of it down, but he just talks about how, first of all, 
that this was not a funeral. This was the, you know, the body was lying there in the church, you know, for like visitation or whatever. And Father O.C. was just like practicing his organ Mm -hmm. while this person was lying in the church and how disrespectful that was and how he doesn't care about any of these people. And oh, that because that's how it starts off. He OC tells the other priest not to like talk to him that way, mm-hmm. like a servant. And he says, "Well, what else are you yeah. but a servant?" And he may be drunk, but he's a damn fine priest. Yeah, he is. It was really, really good. I found in my experience, most priests that are good are drunk most of the time. Well, Catholicism. You're welcome. <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> So we see the wedding, the Fitzy Bloodyfoot wedding, as it says yeah, on the invitations. Yeah, she was super bummed out, and I was concerned, because I was like, you seemed into this. Right. But then they cut to them outside the church, and she's very happy and smiling. Yeah, so they were just being solemn about the occasion yeah. or whatever, and the holy sacrament. Uh, but yeah, and everybody's like gathered around, congratulating them, and they ride off in a carriage. Yeah, and I was like, where the hell do they get money for that? It's a nice carriage. Yeah. Uh, and then we find out in the next scene, because they get back to their house, mm-hmm. and somebody, was it Pat? I think it was Pat. Yeah, yeah. so Pat paid for them to have a carriage. Mm-hmm. Like, Pat just had come into some money. Right. And Pat apparently is like this. Like, he'll just get a bunch of money and then buy everybody things, and then he has no money again. Yeah, and well, because then he comes in, because they're talking about that, and then Fitzy's like, okay, well, you know, we're uh, married now. Do you want to, you know, want to, and she's like, oh, yeah. And then, oh, Pat's there, and he's brought a present. And some stuff, and then every the whole gang comes around, and it's which like, is kind of like a dick move. Yeah, well, and one of them even gives him shit. He's like, "Oh, I can't believe you're having a party on your wedding night!" Ha ha ha! And I'm like, "They didn't invite you, <laughs> right? You're having a party in our place." <laughs> but I thought this was cute though, because the there's like a clock that chimes. Yeah, and Bloodyfoot's like, "What is that clock?" And she's like, we don't have a clock. And then Pat's like, I told you I brought you a present. Like, brought them this, like, really nice mantle clock. Yeah. As their wedding gift. And it's yeah. very sweet. It is very sweet. No, it's nice. Um, Hennessy even stops by. Well, I feel like everybody's like, uh. Right? He's like that guy that nobody wants to hang out with. Right. They're all in the corners like, who told Hennessy we were having a party? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> we then see Pat uh, drunkenly stumbling home, avoiding a uh, a Bobby in the street to a strumpet <gasps> oh my god a bona fide finally strumpet finally a strumpet lines and everything uh and apparently what happened to him is he won 15 pounds on a horse race uh the irish derby i believe and that's where all this largesse is coming from and he's still got eight pounds left uh and he gives her four of them to hold on to because he's promised that they'll do something with it like go on a trip i or think something? he said they go to hull yeah which seems Odd. I yeah, I don't know. Well, Hull's on the other side of England. First, I mean, I guess I don't Look, know why. That I don't matters. know, man. Yeah, but hey. I couldn't understand most of what happened in this scene. Right, which is a shame because it felt like it might have been a good scene, but we yeah yeah couldn't tell because she's got a medical problem. Yeah, she says she's got like a serious problem, and it's like also that to... she's not able to love anyone anymore. Right, and I'm like, do you mean physically or mentally? Right, and she's trying to talk to him about it. But we can't understand her accent, and he passes out. So she doesn't. She doesn't succeed in communicating to anybody. Yeah, sadly, uh, it's the plight of the strumpet. Yeah, it is. It's all a metaphor. Uh, some guy is having Father O.C. over and shows him a statue of some saint, and Father O.C. is like, "Ugh," but doesn't say anything. 
Uh, but he clearly hates it. I hate him. Yeah. And the guy's like, oh, you want to pray to it? And he's like, uh, maybe later. What do you mean later? You're here now. I know. Pray to the statue. Wasn't it like St. Patrick? I assumed it was. But Get I your felt like shit together. Yeah. Anyway, whatever saint it was, uh, this guy liked it. And you yeah. know, he was very proud of it. Give him some you know, respect. It's your household gods. But anyway, the reason the guy asked him over was because there's a strike coming up and he wants to know if it's okay for him to be a scab. And Father O.C. is like, hell yes, you have to. You've got a scab. It's very important that you do so. And the guy's like, oh, great. That makes me feel a lot better. I was worried it was wrong. Ugh. So angry. Yeah. Listen, listeners, it's never okay to scab. It isn't. It's just not okay. It's not. Like, you know, it's not... It's not your dispute, man. Stay out of it. Yeah. No, and don't benefit off the misfortune of others. Yeah, for sure. Eh, anyway, we feel very strongly about labor rights for people who are not in the union. We agree. <laughs> we agree. I don't. I just understood what you said. Yeah. So. Yeah. I understand. We'll fix it in post. That's what they say about labor unions. <laughs> sure. So Steve talks with Larkin. We finally meet the famous Larkin, who is the famous Peter O'Toole. He also co-wrote the script. Oh, yeah. I missed that. Mm-hmm. Wow. The whole reason this exists is because Peter O'Toole liked it. Yeah, that makes sense. The book sense. itself didn't come out until like 1969. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's it's like a late era book. Right, right, right. A yeah. modern book? Well, it's, <laughs> it, was, it, was not, it was not written in the time. Yes, it was not contemporaneous. Right, yes. Uh, and Larkin is like ready to go and help him out, but he wants to be clear that he's not in charge of the union. He just sort of like roams around on his own, like trying to help people out. But that because of that, the union probably won't authorize any strike funds for this. So they're probably going to be really on their own. And Steve's like, yeah, I'm ready. Let's go. So Larkin signs something, and it's not clear to me what exactly this document is. Is this when he tells that long-winded story about growing out of a suit? Yes. I did not know what that was about. He was saying that, you know, a trade union has to fit the situation. But he was like, like, so are you saying this one doesn't? This isn't even really a union. Yeah, this it wasn't just, clear. Yeah. I mean, I think he was trying to communicate to Steve, like, you need to make sure that the needs of your workers are being met. Mm-hmm. I mean, that makes sense. I have no idea. Yeah, but Steve... Not interested in any warnings. He's ready for action. And we get another strumpet scene. <gasps> She's we're, uh, speaking with a fellow strumpet. Two strumpets. That's right. Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> yeah, who is apparently, who knows a doctor who uh, is, you know, discreet in such situations. Whatever situation this is. I kind of feel like syphilis. Yeah, I was thinking maybe abortion initially, but, like, that didn't seem to fit it. Well, because right. she's saying treatment. Right. And, like, I feel like if they were talking about an abortion, they would say words such as get rid of it. Right. Uh, I mean, not that I couldn't imagine treatment as a euphemism, yeah. but, I'm, but it didn't. it just didn't feel like that. It felt yeah. more like something like syphilis well, she seems older too that's oh yeah that's true i mean you know not that you can't get pregnant when you're older but it just seemed like right yeah. no anyway we may or may not find out yeah who can say right like i'm sure i'm sure that the uh if we could read the script we would find out yeah i'm not sure whether we will actually find out yeah we could read the book that's true we could it actually it's it sounds good yeah as a book as a book this sounds great yeah as a movie it's like if Butterfield 8 sucked, <laughs> i.e. the movie of Butterfield 8. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I 
So Steve, who is a carter, by the way, and basically the deal is that all the people that, you know, have anything to do with the foundry, such as carters making deliveries to it, uh, etc., they're all going to strike against it. So he's not striking against his carter cartage firm or whatever. He's just only refusing to deliver to this foundry. So he gets his work order delivered to the foundry and rips it up and won't do it and uh, so forth. And... Uh, other people are doing the same in the yard. So boss man sees this is going on, tells his second-in-command to tell them to go make other deliveries, you know, not to the foundry, and, you know, just to give them a minute to think about it, and then to contact the other firms to see if they're having the same deal. Uh, it turns out they are, and he's like, okay, we're uh, making a big special delivery for that foundry tomorrow, and they can either take it or we'll lock them out, and that'll be that. He then calls in the, like, yard boss or whatever, kind of a foreman type thing, um, and kind of interrogates him a little. We established that he's been there for 30 years, just as long as that cook had been in place, mm-hmm. uh, and had been foreman for, I don't know, 15 or 20 of them. And uh, so he talks about it and says that people are difficult to manage with all this agitation or whatever, and he knows about Larkin and knows that he's in town and been doing things. And the boss man is like, well, I think you would have learned how to handle the men. Anyway, get out of here. And then he tells the second in command to fire that guy. Yeah. Which is like, it's tough, man. I don't know what I wrote there. Anyway, uh, so the next day, lockout. It's happened. Doors are closed. People are standing around in, you know, appropriate attitudes outside uh, looking unemployed. And it's, it's happening. So we see Father O.C., and he is arranging, like, charity packages of, like, cocoa and whatnot and food and so forth with uh, the statue guy and some other guy who had also gotten the same, you know, spiritual advice mm-hmm. Ray scabbing from him. And he's like, oh, you know, it's so good to do some practical good for a change. And, <sighs> and I mean, they're even like, well, didn't you... Uh, you know, isn't aren't they doing wrong? It's like, well, their wife and wives and children aren't at fault. These bad people who are disobedient to their, you know, appointed superiors. I hate this guy. Yeah. I hope he gets that strumpet syphilis. <laughs> I also hope that. Seems unlikely. He's- I know. Yeah, he's too prissy to have sex with anyone. Yeah, he really is. Like, that's why he became a priest. He did. His family was like, you're never going to have sex with anybody, so you better get your ass to seminary. Right. They told him what sex was, and he was like, ew. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds awfully common. <laughs> yeah. As we see Rasher is sitting on the stoop with Hennessy, uh, kind the of person, not the drink. Right. He probably can't afford that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> He's more for that, you know, bathtub whiskey or whatever. <laughs> and uh, he is kind of giving Hennessy some tips on garbage picking, basically, because that's uh, that's how things are looking for old Hennessy. Yeah. Rashers is also either trying to remember or possibly composing a protest song. Uh, which actually, I wish he would sing all his dialogue, because I could follow the lyrics when he was singing. <laughs> uh, so one of those guys comes by with one of the charity packages they've been uh, making up and is rejected quite angrily uh, and is run on down the stairs, and then he's standing on the porch calling up to the wife that kicked him out and trying to, like, make excuses for it and say that, you know, Father O'Seer or whatever. And she uh, empties a chamber pot on him. Which is pretty rad. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah. That's how you do. Yep. And that's the end of the second episode. Because that's a sensible place to end it. Right. It sure is. No, because, uh, again, why don't you have, you know, lockout, 
boom, imposing image, credits. Yeah, chamber pot, beginning of third episode. Right. That's, you know, in that, like, Robert McKee book about <laughs> screenwriting. <laughs> right. Yeah, so I don't know. I'm uh, I'm not optimistic. Yeah. It's real shitty. Yeah, and I mean, you know, Lord knows... If we chilled out for the DVD, it would we'd be fifteen percent better off for sure. Yeah, because the poor video quality just makes everything else seem worse. That's true. You know, so that's that's part of the problem. Um, yeah, I'm not super optimistic, but I think the one thing I will th- say is that I think it's clear now where the conflicts are. Yeah, who the good guys I mean, I'm are. I'm kind of disappointed. Guys. I thought that Bloody Foot was going to have a bigger role. Yeah, no, and you she, know, like, and like become a strumpet. I was very interested in that story, which never happened. Right. I mean, I guess she still could become a strumpet. It's possible. It's only like 19-something. Right. Like, it starts in 1907. Mm-hmm. And I have no idea how much time has passed. Right. But, you know. None of us do. But it goes up through World War One. We know that much. Right. Our favorite war. <laughs> like, yeah. Boy, oh boy. Can't wait. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we'll, uh, we'll be back, possibly. <laughs> with strumpet city we'll be back oh with yeah something. we'll be back we'll yeah. have something it just may not be strumpet city yeah so um, deal it, with that yeah and but i mean by the way too if there's a huge strumpet city fan out there that wants to write in and say oh my god like by the fifth or sixth episode you'll be totally glad uh you know yeah we, we could use the we could use the encouragement yeah we're we're open to somebody making that case but you know for the moment it's a bit of a slog and we'll see what happens all righty well until next time Up Up yours yours downstairs. downstairs. Luncheon out.